This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales. I'm author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and the forthcoming book called A Spacious Life. Here at the Finding Holy podcast, it is our aim to help you connect the dots to the big things that matter to your everyday holy life. You'll get to hear my guests' laundry routines too, because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. John Stark is lead pastor at Apostles Church Uptown in New York City. He is the co-editor with Bruce Ware of One God in Three Persons. He lives in Manhattan with his wife and four children. And today we're talking about his most recent book called The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. Enjoy this conversation to help orient you towards helpful prayer practices, even during a pandemic. All right, friends, it's fun to invite John Stark to the Finding Holy podcast. He is the author of the book, The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. And he is a lead pastor at Apostles Church Uptown in New York City. So welcome, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Thank you. So I loved your book. You just, you have a very nice writerly flow of sentences, which just made me happy as a, (laughs) (laughs) as an English PhD back in the day. And so I just, I really enjoyed just the writing of it. But more than that, I think the topic of prayer is something that can help us find our way, particularly now in this moment of COVID-19 pandemic, racial violence, maybe, you know, the collapse of Western ideals. I don't, we don't know really what's coming around, you know, down the pipeline. Tell us how maybe your book, particularly, and the invitations you offer to us can help us now in this moment. Obviously, we, we have a sense of we need prayer. We, maybe we feel our need yeah. a little bit more acutely, but I'd love to hear from you how this book is resonating for this moment in time. Yeah, I think maybe in a few ways. One, it's really an anxious time and there's a lot of uncertainty and prayer in some sense invites us into something uh, that's uh, more stable and a more, a more meaningful existence you know, what, um, what people oftentimes call just sort of a non-anxious presence. We aren't the first people in history to go through anxious times. And the, the way that Christians throughout history have sort of dealt with anxious times has been primarily through prayer and, and meditation on scripture. And so there's a sort of solidification that happens in that um, you're, you're participating in something more than just what your circumstances are offering. Mm-hmm. But then also, I think what COVID has maybe shown us is, you know, when our lives suddenly became hidden and less performative, mm-hmm. maybe we, we sort of realized how much we depended upon a performative state. So, you know, as a pastor, you, the first several 
meaningful uh, pastoral counseling situations in response to sort of COVID and how we kind of had to be shut in for a while was just the anxiety, not, not that they lost their jobs. Many people didn't, still they had their jobs, but they were anxious that they weren't being seen in the ways that they were. So while you know they, they may have had a project that was due in two weeks, they were anxiously doing a bunch of small things just so they're seen and noticed. They, mm. they were worried just, I, I can't perform in such a way that I'm, I'm seen mm. or that I'm, I'm finding worth or value. And so mm-hmm. I think what we were just noticing here, especially is um, how much of our own personal identity was being produced um, by a performance rather than, and just even a spiritual performance, performative spirituality and performative right. elements in all of our lives. And, you know, Jesus just seems to say that the good life, the most important parts of your life are actually things that are unseen. Yeah. And I think that was just really hard for at least many of us to wrestle with. And, and so I think just having tools to know what to do with hidden moments are, is really, really important for Christians. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like we didn't realize to the extent to which we hadn't invested in things like discipleship or prayer, right? Until you're like, ah, all of a sudden I see this big gaping chasm, right? In my own soul where, where busyness has been extracted and, you know, the world stops and I don't know what to do, right? With myself. Yeah. And and putting it that way, we don't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah. Um, We don't, we don't like who we are oftentimes. And when we're just oftentimes just stuck with ourselves, or seeing maybe more acutely how our pre- how other people are impacted by our presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we're always just with yes. the people in our family. Yeah. That can be really, really challenging. Um, and so if we don't know what to do with ourselves, yeah, you could be feeling very, that's when all other kinds of ghosts and goblins kind of come to the surface. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we reach for escapism or some way, but a meaningful way in which we can step into those realities is is through prayer and solitude mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. of the spiritual habits and practices. What would you recommend some hope, for, you know, for the listener who's like, you know, I just don't have a very good practice of prayer. I, you know, I have those quick little prayers of like, God help me out here. Or, you know, they find their prayers just kind of a laundry list of requests and they don't know this kind of intimate relationship with Jesus in a real way. Maybe they desire it, but yeah, like they're scared or you talk a lot in your book about that prayer invites us into a twin knowledge of, of God and a twin knowledge of ourselves and they, they work yeah. together. So what yeah. might be some kind of practical, like get your toes wet habits to help orient our hearts towards enjoying prayer, enjoying God? Yeah. I mean, I do think in some ways, one of the main reasons why I put together the book came a lot out of just ordinary pastoral conversations that seems like for most people, when when the topic of a deep, vibrant prayer life or spiritual life comes up, they, they begin to immediately think of that deacon or elder or pastor or leader or community group leader in the church rather than themselves. Yeah. Because there's been lots of starts and stops and um, maybe good intentions, but never a whole lot of follow through or, or busyness or whatever it might be. And so they just imagine that it's not for them. And that can bring up a, different levels of shame or guilt or whatever. And, 
I think just in a very ordinary way, I would love people to first recognize and maybe just have a grasp that I don't, it's not for the spiritual elite. Prayer is not, it's actually more for people who can talk very basic and almost baby-like with the Father. You know, and so there, there's this invitation for just ordinary Christians to participate in prayer. It is, there is a discipline element. There is a habit. There is a, mm-hmm. um, a depth to it, but it is, it's very, very basic. It's not a, a, an elitist thing. It's for ordinary sufferers and sinners. But I, I also, you know, you mentioned enjoying it. I do think probably especially if you're stepping into prayer as an adult I, I do think probably it's experiencing prayer as almost an insufferable thing because what comes to the surface oftentimes in prayer which I think is a, a more a bigger prohibitive than just busyness mm-hmm. is sort of the difficult emotions of shame will come mm. to the surface. We're really good at at busyness, which keeps things like shame or mm. insecurities at bay, mm-hmm. um, sort of numb them. And prayer and meditation and solitude are actually invitation invitations for those that come to the surface in, yeah. in the presence of Christ so that he can heal them. Yeah. But we first got to kind of deal with them. And I think that's hard for people to wrestle with. It's harder than just being disciplined. It's harder to reckon with the fact that some of the insecurities that you've done a really good job at keeping at a distance, you're now allowing to come to the surface. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What, you got to, in some ways, welcome them in the mm. way that Christ welcomes you. Mm. And we're not very, very good at that. What does that look like? for you how have you pushed through me, and welcome yeah how have you welcomed we'll just go there you know how do you welcome your own shame <laughs> yeah in this season of 2015 and 2006 for about 18 months i wrestled with a pretty pretty deep season of depression and just as a pastor who's supposed to be okay right. and level level-headed which is a very performative yeah. thing yeah. right <laughs> um just being able to sit across from another friend who is a church member mm-hmm. and begin to confess openly, just, man, I, I actually have a hard time getting up in the morning. I have a hard time praying. I have a hard time writing sermons right now. And answering emails is really tough. Uh, it was really hard. And it, and it, was, it was a deeply uh, I don't know, insecure season. Uh, mm-hmm. But being sitting with the Lord with that and actually calling it depression and um, saying, oh, actually, I, I have a disposition towards this. And that's a weakness. It's not just, yeah, it's a weakness and limitation. I actually can't be as productive in these seasons as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. And so um, doing that, but it's also what I recognized is if I blow it morally the day before, and I set my alarm and I wake up the next morning. Um, there's nothing in me that wants to pray. Um, I want to wait till I have two or three really good days. And so that I feel pretty good about coming into prayer. Right. Yeah. But what I've had to just recognize is 
well, that's actually not Christianity. That's just moralism. Yeah. It's putting some date, dis- some, you know, distance between my sin is not atone- atonement for right. my sin. It just means I'm numb to it. Yeah. God, God is it. <laughs> yeah. So, and so in some ways, just, I had to wrestle and I forgot who said this. It was, it's not original to me, but I actually had to welcome the sinful and sinful parts of me yeah. and the limited parts of me. So the parts that I'm ashamed of, I'm weak. I'm, I'm act- I actually can't do these things. I actually really want to be able to do, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Or I have failed morally in these areas and I don't like that about myself. And I actually had to welcome that part, mm-hmm. not just to justify it or right. be okay with it, but actually say, this is me and welcome it. Um, because that's what Jesus is doing to me. He's mm-hmm. he's saying, when you wake up, your best bet for <laughs> overcoming your sin is not distance it's coming to me immediately mm. and so i'm just learning how to do that and wrestle with that and be okay with that i, I think it allows prayer to be a more healing thing rather than a performative mm-hmm. um, thing because uh, we're just i don't know how sometimes you just sort of recognize like 20 minutes into prayer is like this is, is not real this isn't me i i don't mean any of these words i don't yeah. And just kind of, yeah, just crumble in weakness, which is why I think solitude, not talking, just listening is probably yeah. more true to prayer oftentimes mm-hmm. Than, mm-hmm. than writing or saying something. Tell us how we hold together transcendence and imminence in, in our prayer lives. And the reason I ask that question, too, is, you know, thinking just where we are as a nation, you know, we're headed towards an election season. And many of us, because of COVID-19, have become very much like turned in on ourselves. And some of that's been healthy and good. And some of it is unhealthy, but we've become kind of smaller in, <laughs> in I think good ways. We've been forced to become smaller and to slow down. And so I guess the question is, you know, how do we relate to God in this kind of small moment, in our small experiences, but also hold together, you know, the intimacy of Jesus, as well as the transcendence of God to us. What does that look like in our prayer life a little bit? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for for many people, both things are really intimidating. Yeah. Um, or maybe hard to hard to grasp. I'm sitting in my chair or wherever you're sitting in prayer. And it feels like when I pray, all my prayers, especially maybe if you're in an emotionally difficult season, all your prayers sort of hit a ceiling. Yeah. And you feel very distant, or God feels very distant from you, or maybe you feel very sinful and unworthy, and so you know God doesn't come down, and you're not going up. Um, <laughs> at least Paul and the Psalms seem to have this dynamic of He's at your right hand in prayer, and Paul seems to say that you know um, you know the Psalms say you're at my right hand, and I'm at your right hand and, you know, experiencing pleasures forevermore. That's mm-hmm. how the Psalms talk about our experience in prayer. And then Paul seems to say, I've been raised with Christ with, you know, and seated with him in the heavenly places. That's mm-hmm. a past tense. So these two dynamics, I'm at his right hand and he's at my right hand. Yeah. That transcendence and imminence dynamic, which, which can only make sense with um, a, a rich theology of 
of of God and Trinitarian form. And but uh, beyond the theology, I think the the way that I've learned to experience that, and and part of it was kind of even during that season of of depression, I had a, just a, a counselor, an older pastor, just sort of mm-hmm. walk me through maybe some some deeper ways of praying of mm-hmm. experiencing the Lord in that season that when it, when you read the gospels um read it as if um and it's true it's God's word so it is God speaking to you but reading it as it as if Jesus is retelling the stories that he mm-hmm. went through so he just told me to to read the gospel of John or maybe it's the gospel of Matthew and um yeah read it as if Jesus is next to you mm-hmm retelling the stories and what does he want you to hear if he if he's your brother in christ if he's your advocate if he's your friend what would a good friend like that want you to hear from those stories mm. and that just became a deeply intimate moment but mm. also really transcendent because what i begin to do is okay if i can do that with jesus well i can do that with the father what would the father want me to hear what would the spirit want me to hear? Who's a counselor? He's a convictor. He's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, he's all those things. What would they want me to hear from this passage? And, you know, it pulls out so much from, mm. from those stories of, of um, the gospels. And it just sort of pulls you out of that, out of whatever, if you feel like you're not, able to be reached by God or you're not able to reach the heavens. But I think that prayer guide or that prayer mm-hmm. practice sort of pulls you out of that and puts you in sort of like mm-hmm. that transcendent, imminent experience with the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think that's that great. Prayer? I think it's a helpful practice. Yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What have you noticed in your own kind of prayer practice or the way in which prayer has figured for you know, the people you pastor during this moment in time? And, um, you know, has, because our lack of control has been laid bare in this entire year of 2020, you know, are people more keen to pray? Are we more scared to pray? Do we feel less equipped to pray? Do we feel more desperate to pray? What does that look like as, as you've reflected over these last few months? We have a, um, we have a midday prayer time. People in our church will gather on Zoom yep, and yep. pray for just 15 or 20 minutes during lunch, and we'll just go through a time of prayer. Yeah. 
And then our leaders have a time of prayer on Wednesday morning. And you can kind of tell during those times whether people have been because you do it enough, you can kind of just hear the prayers and kind of read people um, kind of beyond the performance. Yeah. Um, like, oh, they're, they're going through something. Yeah. They're being met by the Lord. Um, or it's like, oh, we're pretty numb. We're kind of just going through the motions <laughs> right now. And, yeah. and it's good that we're all here and this is just a rhythm and we're being formed whether we feel it or not. So I think in some ways it's been an up and down uh, season to where, and this has certainly been my experience, where you know, weeks at a time just feeling numb and just, I'm reading the scripture, maybe I'm writing in a few prayers or I'm practicing a few minutes of solitude or I go into corporate prayer, but man, I'm just kind of waiting for the next thing or yeah. um, I'm eager just to empty out my email inbox um, rather than kind of experiencing what's really happening um and then there's sometimes where it feels like and even our online services feel thick with god's presence and um something's happening and we feel desperate and needy human resources have run out and so god's power just feels mm -hmm. you know experienced mm -hmm. um, more deeply but i think it's just mixed yeah so one thing I really enjoy is that you you highlight both kind of individual and corporate rhythms of prayer. Uh, you talk about communion, meditation, solitude, fasting and feasting, Sabbath, resting, and corporate worship. Maybe talk for just a minute about why we need both the individual and corporate forms of prayer. And then tell us maybe what what's your favorite one? <laughs> and you probably can't pick a favorite, but it's always fun to hear like maybe what's the one you're most drawn to. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the the corporate practices really feed our personal time. So there is something I can't again, I didn't say this, I can't but I can't remember who said it. When we when we when we uh don't participate in individual practices of prayer, our brothers and sisters suffer for it. Like I'm not just praying for myself. I'm actually praying so that my brothers and sisters will actually experience a good bit of fruit from me. Um, mm -hmm. experience a non-anxious presence, experience, yeah. you know, a loving presence, or just experience me praying for them. I, I think I've become more and more appreciative of the vocation of advocating and praying for my brothers and sisters in my life, especially when I just can't be with them physically. You know, we've had this mantra, it's like, well, we can do the best we can and just trust God for what we don't see. But really more, it's pray for what we don't see. So, you know, I think if if I'm, if I'm um, resisting the individual parts of my spiritual life, my brothers and sisters are going to suffer. Yeah. But if I only emphasize individual parts, um, I don't experience something of Christ um, when I don't gather with other brothers and sisters because that's the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about the body of Christ of having other brothers and sisters with you that you lack, you don't experience when you just kind of like, well, it's just me and Jesus. Yeah. And so I, you know, without, I don't know if I have a preference. I haven't gathered with Christians for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I'm, I'm really, really excited. We're, 
I, I don't know when you'll record or when you'll play this, but on September 20th, it'll be the first time that we gather in public, but it'll be at the park. Yeah. And, and only 45 of us can gather yeah. at a time. Yeah. So, you know, that's six and a half months for us. Um, yeah. And so that's just hard. Um, it's hard. So we're, we're really excited to see one another, but um, it's been, yeah, we're, I mean, it's, it's suffering. It is suffering yeah. when we don't see one another. It is. Um, it, it's not the same to see one another on the screen. What about if someone's listening and they don't call themselves a Christian, they're, you know, maybe curious about it or maybe have some background in maybe their parents sort of went to church, kind of believed in this Jesus thing. Can they start praying? I think it's much easier to enter into Christianity through the practice of prayer than it is maybe through the church Mm. oftentimes. I like to think that in our church, someone could walk in and begin to practice um, the Christian faith um, by worshiping corporately. But I think for some reason, that's oftentimes pretty tough. But just talking with other Christians and reading through the scriptures and then praying through what you've read is the easiest sometimes way of, I think, entering into um, imagining what Christianity looks like. I, I do think it's probably helpful to be with someone, some other Christian answering questions and, and walking mm-hmm. through a few things, you know, having some example of what this looks like. But I do think the practice of prayer is a good entry point into what does it mean to begin to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that was a little bit when, when I wrote the book proposal, that was sort of like, I, I, I would like for people who don't have a good bit of Christian background to, to be able to read it. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that was what the publishers wanted. They, <laughs> they wanted a more targeted audience, right. um, which I understand. Um, but I, here in New York, I, I do think we've experienced people um, it's not the only way they come to faith. They, they come to faith primarily probably by coming to church and beginning to um, participate community. But oftentimes it is pre- first mm-hmm. sort of just wondering and beginning to do some of the practices mm-hmm. that get them interested or get them wondering, or maybe that even answers some of the questions more than mm-hmm. um, uh, just having some sort of apologetics mm-hmm. seminar. Right, <laughs> right, where everything's just kind of mental, like flowcharts. <laughs> or or uh, when it's just Christianity is displayed as easily an- easy answers to difficulty. Prayers are oftentimes provoked from experiences and suffering and, you know, loss and questions and and so it ends up making sense of human experience more oftentimes than just explaining suffering or explaining uh, evil in the world. Right. When you experience evil upon you and you're afflicted with it and you suffer and you begin to pray, I think something's experienced there that we just can't explain and uh, talk on suffering, right. no matter right. how wonderful it might be. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a, like a unity of types of knowledge and experiences yeah. and connection yeah. that happen in prayer. Exactly right. Yeah. What's your hope for your book? And, you know, as you pastor folks and help teach them how to pray, what's your hope that, you know, maybe even will emerge out of this season to be 
better prayers, <laughs> prayers. <laughs> yeah, it is weird to release a book during COVID. I don't know. I you know I I, I have, I've only edited other books. Right. Um, yeah. I have, this is the first book that I've written, so I I don't know what's a success or what's a um, a failure, but. But you're not supposed to be all the performative stuff, remember? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So it's great either way. But um, I think what I would love um, for people to experience is to have read this book, maybe, and it provoked a few practices in this season of mm. hiddenness. Mm-hmm. You know, the New Testament seems to talk a lot about seeds being buried yeah. in the ground, yeah. and that yeah. describes our faith oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, you know, Jesus, like, you know, a seed has to be buried and die. And that is something interesting that I think that many Christians have had to experience in this season is that this does feel a lot like death. Yeah. You know, if you put a seed in the ground, if mm-hmm. you didn't know what was going to, what was going to happen to it, it would seem like, well, that's it. You just buried it. Now we can't see it. Right. Um, it is dead. It's as good as dead. But there's a lot going on that you can't mm-hmm. see. And I think that's even true for someone who's trying to practice prayer and and the habits and rhythms of spiritual life is that there's a lot going on that we don't see. Um, and, and so my hope is, you know, as Jesus describes the fruit of that is that there's a tree that grows from that, that has branches that provide shade for Mm -hmm. others. Mm Um, and so I just, you know, as I think many of us are, are potentially discouraged by maybe not even their own lives, but maybe the, the the public witness of the Christians publicly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think there's good reasons for that. I think we can find a lot of reasons why we could be discouraged. But I, I also wonder if something truer and better is going to come out on the other side. It's been mm. hidden for a long time. Mm. And because um, there's, there's a lot of faithful Christians out there who don't have a Twitter handle and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who've, who've been, who've been doing good hidden work for a really, really long time and whose witness is going to be, you know, more public probably after they're done yeah. and we'll give thanks for it. But, you know, it took a season like COVID to produce the fruit mm-hmm. that it needed. Um, so I, it, you know, if, if my project w- was able to participate in that, um, yeah, that'd be pretty meaningful. Thank you, John. Well, as yeah. we conclude, I'd love to hear your laundry routine. It's always fun to hear laundry routines, especially from people in New York City. <laughs> it's, too, it's a little different than my suburban California laundry routine, probably. Well, you know, we, although we both have four children, so yes, and which we probably produce a lot of. You probably produce a lot of laundry yes, like yes. we do. So you know, we have a really small apartment and have a laundry mat that's thankfully close. It's right, like almost right below us. And we always freak out our neighbors for how much laundry <laughs> we put in. Yeah. And there was one time where my wife uh, put in the laundry and I went and got it. And I you know, was bringing all of our Ikea bags uh-huh. and we filled up four or yeah, no, five dryers in the laundry mat. Uh-huh. So I'm opening them all up and the lady comes over and she's assuming that I'm just stealing clothes because there's no way that I have this much clothes. And so it took me 
15 minutes to explain. You know, all of these are my clothes. <laughs> yeah. um, I can tell you it's in that dryer right yeah, now. Yeah, and, yeah. But at the same time, I have to be careful how much laundry I do because I'm colorblind and I ruined a few red and white combinations. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know. everything's delightfully pink, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand all of the comments about, are all those kids yours? And yeah, let me yeah. just pick some up on the side of the road. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. And I do yeah. um, share your hopes for your book. Thank you for giving us some hope in the midst of this moment. Well, thanks for giving me some time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. I'd love it if you grabbed a copy of his book, The Possibility of Prayer. I've linked it in the show notes, so you can just go on over, click and order it and get it soon. I wanted to encourage us as we continue to live through this pandemic to pray. So I'm asking you to pray in a very particular way this week as your one small step. Make a list of the things mentally or write it down that make you mad, sad, and glad. And bring your real self to prayer. Pray about what you're mad about. Pray about what you're glad about. And pray about what you're sad about. The words don't need to be perfect, but they are helpful ways to actually engage our whole selves, our emotional selves, with God in prayer. And it might be a good thing to invite family members or friends along with you in that journey. Because prayer, remember, isn't simply individual. It's also corporate. Friends, if you care about great conversations, if you care about things that are full of depth and nuance, things that are meaningful and deep and not simply what grabs our attention with the news headlines, then I want to invite you to subscribe to the Finding Holy podcast. It takes a lot to run this show, a ton of time and energy, and we need more people to listen in to the things that matter. So would you share this episode or another episode with a friend? Would you subscribe? That makes these conversations happen. Because big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.